Chapter Number Two of A Bachelor's Dream by Mrs. Hungerford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Doctor Brundell's first rapid glance about him as he recovered his balance assured him that pursuit would be futile. The men had darted off down a narrow turning which had led into a maze of streets already his rapid footsteps had ceased to echo on the pavement he was lost by this time in the busy restless throng of saturday night foot passengers the doctor abandoning any idea of chasing and securing him lost not a moment in doing what he could the short street was a new one having on one side a neglected piece of wasteland where bricks gravel and mortar were flung in confusion upon the other a row of half-finished houses a curve at its upper end hid the thoroughfare beyond although the sound of wheels and the hoarse cries of hucksters were audible to him as he dropped upon one knee and gently raised the inert figure blood was upon it he felt it and knew that it was straining his hand had no one heard that dreadful thrilling cry but himself it seemed not he shouted loudly with the full power of his lungs help help murder hare help he was heard for as he loudly shouted again voices answered him and in a few moments a group of men and women had gathered about him eager excited questioning before he could answer them they made way for a sergeant of police whom dr brutnell happened to know he explained hastily the knot commended the sergeant was cool and professional pity you weren't quick enough to nap him sir he went down upon his knee and turned the light of his lantern upon the ghastly face hm young and a spanker to look at i should say wonder if it was robbery is she dead sir no the doctor laid her gently down his practised hand over the heart no she's not dead the blow was aimed at her heart but something in her dress a corset probably turned the weapon aside call me a cab somebody you're off duty i think sergeant can you come with me i am sir always happens so when there's nothing anything doing muttered the sergeant discontentedly here's another of our people that ain't though as a second sergeant forced his way through the group followed by a constable baxter you'd best step round and report this little job and not lose any time about it either it's attempted murder that's what the game is chap made off as if he'd got springs in his heels the second officer bent down as the first one had done glanced at the bloodless face asked a question or two and started off at a smart pace the fringe of the crowd hurrying after him the doctor looked at his companion repeating can you come with me 
I may want assistance." "With pleasure, sir. You'll take her to the hospital, I suppose?" "No. My house is near, and unless the wound is looked to at once, I don't answer for the consequences. There is no objection, I suppose?" The sergeant thought there could be no objection, although the hospital was "the usual thing." The doctor put aside that consideration contemptuously. From what he could see of the wound, he was prepared to state professionally that any delay would be highly dangerous. The sergeant yielded the point respectfully, but protestingly, and the cab came, bringing an excited crowd in its train. There was no lack of proffered help. But the doctor and the sergeant lifted the insensible woman into the cab between them. On arriving at the doctor's house, the two men carried her indoors. Then bells rang, made servants hurried, exclaimed, and questioned. And soon the door of the library was closed upon all except Mrs. Jessop and the doctor. The sergeant retired to the dining room and meditatively took an inventory of its furniture and appointments as he awaited further developments noticing the doctor's decanter of choice old port which was still upon the table where he had left it the officer helped himself to a glassful drinking it with evident relish half an hour passed before the doctor entered he took his seat thoughtfully by the fire and motioned to the sergeant to draw his chair nearer the wound is not much merely a deep flesh wound he observed abruptly glad to hear it i'm sure returned the sergeant politely she has lost a great deal of blood will be much weakened and is totally insensible now dr brundell continued but no vital part is touched not the fault of that scoundrel though sergeant ah replied the sergeant intelligently the doctor had motioned to help himself to the wine and he did so now with contemplative deliberation then you think it is a case of intended murder i take it sir as far as my judgment serves me yes i should say the blow was meant to kill her indeed only the steel of her corset saved her hm i thought as much now as to motive sir have you got any theory robbery i suppose ah as the sergeant shook his head with a wise air you don't think so then no i don't sir maybe of course but i doubt it a man don't use a knife when his fists will do as a rule and look you here sir said the sergeant leaning forward to place his broad hand for a moment upon the doctor's knee when you find an old gentleman with a bald crown or a spectacle old lady with a bag and umbrella tipped over neat in a corner you may put it down to robbery for you won't find anything in their pockets i'll wager 
but you find a good-looking fellow with a haport of rat poison inside of him that he didn't put there himself or a young woman stabbed that's as handsome as that one jerking his head towards the door and you won't go far wrong if you put it down to jealousy the doctor sat silently pondering the sergeant slowly filled his glass again you've examined her dress of course sir anything in the pockets nothing absolutely nothing nothing torn no appearance of having been robbed no merely the cut where the blow was given just so sir about the weapon an ordinary knife should you say no from the appearance and general character of the wound it was caused by a two-edged blade hm sort of a dagger stiletto kind of thing queried the sergeant i should say so the sergeant gave a prolonged whistle with an air of intense satisfaction supports my idea you see sir a man going about with a dagger in his pocket usually means to use it a case of jealousy that's what it is it's surprising i'm sure the way a man will put his neck into a rope if there's a woman to other side of it you wait till this young woman comes round and you'll find that that's about the size of it the work of some hot-headed young fool she's thrown over i expect or maybe she's bolted from her husband and it's a case of elopement shouldn't wonder for the handsomer they are the more mischief they get up to that's my experience i hope you are mistaken said the doctor rising and looking thoughtfully at the fire i hope you are but we shall see fill your glass sergeant thank you sir i am sure the sergeant obediently filled his glass for the fourth time and held it critically between his eye and the light well we shall see as you say when do you fancy you'll be able to speak to her may i ask impossible to say she may be sensible to-morrow or the shock may cause a fever in which case her condition may become highly dangerous i can't possibly say pity there isn't something about her by which she might be identified mused the sergeant thoughtfully but it'll all be in the papers to-morrow and it will be odd if it doesn't catch the eye of someone who knows her but she's french if i don't mistake or at any rate not english dr brudnell recalling his impression of the ghastly face as he had seen it first in the light of the sergeant's lantern and afterward lying upon a pillow hardly whiter than itself silently endorsed this opinion no decidedly she was not english but he did not think she was french the sergeant thoughtfully emptied his glass and set it down upon the table 
we'll do all we can of course but it strikes me that the chances of nabbing the man don't amount to much unless the young man comes to herself in time to help us and if she does it's about twenty to one that she puts us on a wrong scent well i'm on duty again directly and i'll be going will you step down to the station with me sir certainly if you think it necessary the sergeant thought that it might be as well and the doctor put on his hat and coat and walked with his companion to the police station where the inspector on duty who had received one report already listened to his statement wrote it all down imperturbably and approved with some warmth of the sergeant's theory as to jealousy this or a knuckle duster did well enough for robbery the inspector observed oracly it was only when a man went a bit off his head that he took to daggers and there was more of that sort of thing about presumably meaning jealousy that any one would credit though when it came to going it to that extent the expector's private opinion was that no woman was worth it is there much chance of capturing this man do you think dr brudnell asked why that depended if the young woman came to herself say to-morrow and told the truth you would know where you were but if on the other hand the young woman chose to put them on an altogether false scent which was rather more likely than not why where would they be feeling that he could not successfully answer this official poser the doctor bade the sergeant and the inspector good night and repeating his former assurances of perfect willingness to do whatever he could in the affair walked out of the police station at home by the dining-room fire he found the invaluable mrs jessop waiting for him well mrs jessop and how is our patient now he inquired cheerfully he did not feel cheerful but mrs jessop had shown some slight reluctance and resentment at being suddenly called upon to assume the function of nurse to a totally unknown and much too handsome young woman and he thought it only prudent to conciliate her pretty much the same sir hasn't stirred so much as a finger or opened her eyes though whether or not it's a natural sleep i couldn't take upon myself to say i'll step upstairs again with you in a moment what i fear is fever consequent on the shock if we can keep off that she will most likely awaken sensible enough i hope so i am sure for the sake of catching that cowardly villain whoever it was he must have meant to murder her you think sir inquired mrs jessop smoothing her cap ribbons thoughtfully 
i'm afraid so poor girl she is quite young yes sir and most remarkably handsome no doubt sir she is a foreigner i fancy it is most unfortunate that there is nothing on her by which we can identify her by the way i did not notice did you see if she wore rings no sir not a wedding ring no sir and not a trinket of any kind about her not one sir nothing whatsoever nothing whatever persisted the doctor amusingly as he held out his hands to the fire they were cold for the february night air was keen there was this sir said mrs jessop abruptly she held out to him upon the palm of her plump hand a tiny roll of paper tied with a wisp of faded red silk where did you find this in a little pocket inside the bosom of her gown sir it looked as if it had been made for it have you read it no sir it's gibberish the doctor untied and unrolled the little packet then looked at it by the gaslight it was covered with characters of a deep red color curious and fantastic and to him absolutely meaningless it looked strange uncanny witch-like was it a charm the doctor studied it wonderingly for a few moments and then laughed at the thought of such an absurd fancy assailing him he rolled up and retied the little packet well that won't help us much he said as i thought we must wait for light from her poor girl take care of it mrs jessop she might attach some fanciful value to it dr brudnell standing by the bed in the comfortable room to which the unknown woman had been carried looked down at her curiously and scrutinizingly upon the white pillows he saw a pale face lying a face that was exquisitely chiselled the head crowned by a wonderful mass of thick black hair beautiful he muttered under his breath and turning away i should fancy it was jealousy the next day's papers contained a sufficiently thrilling account of the attempted murder of a lady in rockmore street but although an elaborate description of the victim's person and attire was given and enlarged upon with due journalistic skill it brought no anxious troop of friends and relatives to inquire at dr brudnell's door and the best efforts of the inspector and his subordinates to track the would-be murderer came to ignominious grief for the only person who could perhaps have put them upon his track lay tossing in the delirium of fever End of chapter two